All right, what's up, class? We're back for another episode. We're here for Teacher's Lounge 12, I believe, and this is episode 40-something. I'm, I'm losing count over here. I think it's 45, if I remember correctly. Uh, we're at block height 660706 and the current price is $18,440. Uh, you want to say something, Nick? Nah, not too much. Um, let's just jump right into it. Awesome. Uh, without further ado, uh, our friend Jester over here had a great idea a couple of weeks ago where we're going to create what we called final exam. And so we're going to just basically accumulate all the questions that we've had on Bitcoin Kindergarten. And we're going to pull out the best ones that we like. And then if you guys and, and everyone listening would uh, basically give us a response to some of their favorite questions, and then we can compile it and, and make some kind of a study guide for, for someone to, you know, understand why we like Bitcoin and, and why we Bitcoin. And uh, we think it might be a pretty cool little project. So we'll be getting that out probably next week or within the next couple of weeks. So we'll get the questions together and then we'll uh, give you guys some time to answer. And uh, Jester, you want to chime in and, and add a little more context? Sure. Yeah. So for the next uh, week or two, um, go ahead and uh, send us, you know, your favorite questions from the show. If you want to re-listen to a couple of episodes, I mean, you should feel free to do that, but that's uh, not necessary, but kind of uh, gather up your favorite questions or topics that we've covered and, and send them our way. And then uh, we can get those all compiled into a little final exam where we can uh, hear from all of you and and credit each of your uh, individual takes, which I I just love hearing those every week, um, and I would love to be able to uh, offer like all of that compiled information to people in the future because we've got a lot of knowledgeable people that come out every single week. So yeah, I want to uh, leverage all of our efforts and times into our what I'll just call a final exam. Yeah, we're just sticking with the kindergarten theme. All right, well, now that we got the PSA out, uh, I think this first topic, we've been seeing a lot of uh, big players coming into the space this week, and in particular, the biggest news was uh, GigaChad, Michael Saylor, uh, doubling down again, and the way that we put it over here, the way that Jessifer actually coined it, was... Uh, Giga Chad sellout or savior. And so it's kind of ironic. Uh, and we're not going to necessarily talk about Michael Saylor because everyone's doing that, but it's more uh, a jumping off point. So it's pretty ironic that last week uh, Saylor got in a little, I guess, quote unquote, hot water for his uh, Bitcoin needs to play nice with regulation tweets. And then basically the following days, put on the biggest speculative attack on the US dollar that we've seen. And so I think it was funny how uh, Jessifer put it, uh, sellout or savior. And so we brought up this topic just so that we can kind of talk on the topic of we're kind of getting into the idea that next war, the next Bitcoin war is going to be the privacy wars. And we've been seeing all of our friends on Twitter talking about how 
maybe keeping the ANCAP, the anarcho-capitalist ideology at the forefront of Bitcoin may or may not be the best idea for mass adoption in Bitcoin. And even though it's part of the ethos and part of the ideology of Bitcoin, it kind of rubs people the wrong way when they aren't fully red-pilled and orange-pilled. And I think it's it's like a a definite point of contention that we will be dealing with into the future. And so I and just for Nick just thought like, yeah, let's discuss that and, and see what everyone sees about that. And I think it'll be a good discussion for someone new to the space and, and they can, you know, make up their own mind, whether they join us on the anarcho-capitalist ideologies or they just are here for number go up and protecting their wealth. So uh, I don't know, Nick, did you want to chime in or Jessifer, you want to chime in first and then we'll uh, just pass it on to everyone else and see what's up? I have faith that he's not a sellout and that, um, you know, it's really, it's, I love memeing on all of his posts. Like it's fucking hilarious. Anything he posts, you just click on the comments and everyone's memeing, calling them Giga Chat or, you know, like he said something about, you know, buying like X amount of Bitcoin. And I was like, you know, bro, I was literally just about to buy that. And like, I don't know, it's just fun memeing with them. But also, I know, like you said um, the other day, Optimus, like we already have our swords out to smite them. Because I know he tweeted out that we need to embrace with optimism and good cheer the regulation from governments, institutions, and individuals, which I highly disagree with and think is total bullshit. We don't need to Bitcoin is not bending the knee to anyone. They are bending the knee to Bitcoin. And if he wants to go down that route, then he'll, you know, the cyber hornets will do their thing and he'll be forgotten, just like all the other ones. So true. Can I can I chime in? Yes. Hit it, Jim. You know, uh, I, I, I want to back up real quick in the project you guys talk about, the final exam. I like the idea. I think it's a great idea to put together a bunch of questions and answers for new people that they can find, you know, another resource. Because it's Bitcoin kindergarten, it fits right in with, like, the whole theme. So I, I love that. But um, the whole Michael Saro thing, what Nick just said, yeah, a lot of people in this ecosystem, they're not down with dealing with government at all. The whole point of having Bitcoin is to take the power away from government. And as I say all the time, you guys know, you hear me say this, government are just other people. That's it. Government is not an actual thing. It's other people in a group identifying as government and having a system there before they were born and before we were born and they just got to join it. You can't just turn it off. They have the control of money and the control of violence and they control our lives because of it. So when he sent that tweet out, he got scolded by the cyber hornets. Like, no way, dude. If you're going down that road, we're done with you. We don't care how much Bitcoin you buy. We don't care how good you talk up Bitcoin. It is not conducive to dealing with governments and cooperating with governments. And on, on, in the long run, Optimus, I think we're going to find that anarcho-capitalism will win out because it is the natural state of humans the human condition and the default position for people who really want to be free. And most people really do want to be free. We've, we've bred society to depend on leaders and 
experts and other people to help them get through this world. I mean, people used to be self-sufficient in generations past. They didn't look to anybody. They went out and worked hard in the field. They did what they had to do. They took care of themselves, man. That's the way it's supposed to be. We'll go back to that when there's a hard money and there isn't a bunch of parasites trying to control everybody else. I think we will win out. And if Michael Cero thinks we're going to go play nice, nice with governments, don't be going to his 100K party because he's getting shunned. <laughs> I totally agree. All right. I want to say something to that because I, Jim, you and I see like completely eye to eye as far as the state. Um, but I think even if so, if even if you were to remove all of the anarcho capitalist, uh, you know, aspects of Bitcoin, like let's say just a total normie blue pill person, whatever, and they buy Bitcoin. And one way or another, they're still acknowledging that a service provided by the private sector is far more efficient than a service provided by the government sector. And in this case, the service would be money. So I look at it like uh, like a Trojan horse. Like they have that meme all the time about Bitcoin being a Trojan horse. But um, man, I don't know. I mean, even talking about it with like my my normie friends, I'll bring up Bitcoin, and it's it's a good way to. Uh, basically talk about how the government has essentially fucked so much shit up, including the money, which just messes everything up. But um, uh, anyways, I mean, my, my point is like, even if there's no anarcho-capitalist notion behind it, in one way or another, it's still prevailing compared to what the government is offering uh, with money. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that 100%. And uh, it's funny you brought up the Trojan horse meme because when me and Nick and Jessifer were uh, creating the list for, for this teacher's lounge, we uh, I, I sent them the parabolic trabs meme, which was a Trojan horse meme. And it's like the Trojan horse says, a treasury alternative with NGU number go up. And then it's like Michael Saylor pulling it. And then inside the Trojan horse, it does complete destruction of the state. And it was just, it was just like funny because, because yeah, uh, it was parabolic Trav. And so Trav was all saying like, yeah, guys, like, shh, like be quiet, you know, like, I guess with the idea that like, yeah, you know, hush, hush about what Bitcoin's true intentions are because it's like, get, get, get Bitcoin through the door and, and it's going to do what it's going to do anyways. And, and like Andrew said, it's, you know part of Bitcoin is the censorship resistance, free market money. And you can't, you know, you can't take that away from Bitcoin. It's, it's just, it's like the, the facts of, of what's going on. And so I, I agree with uh, what everyone said here that, you know, Bitcoin's not going to bend the need to regulation. It's going to be regulation. That's going to have to figure out how to deal with Bitcoin. And uh, I, we've been seeing a lot of, I guess, for lack of better words, hoopla about it on Twitter with uh what's the guy's name, Rohan Gray, saying, you know, running a node is likely illegal. And I don't know if you guys saw the day, but Warren Davidson put out a, a letter uh, to um, Mnuchin because I guess he was saying, you know, that they're going to, or there's rumors that they're going to uh, try to regulate Bitcoin. And so, like, you know, we've broken that fifth wall where the congressmen understand Bitcoin and they're telling, you know, that the Fed to to back off and and let bitcoin do its thing because it's 
it's you know it's uncontrollable and if you try to control it it especially in the u.s you're just going to hurt its u.s citizens and so it's like you can't separate the anarcho-capitalist roots of bitcoin in my opinion it's just you know some people may not believe in that perspective but it's just a part of the the facts of bitcoin in my opinion the best part about bitcoin is the game theory that's kicked into the code right so when you see it like we all do and you want some for yourself it, it doesn't matter where you work in society and so slowly but surely people in government we already know cynthia lummis who's now a senator uh, is a big believer in bitcoin and and the game theory is going to be such that the the crazy people that are trying to control people now are going to come to the realization that they're going to lose the control. The best thing you can do is get some Bitcoin. I don't think they will be able to trample it like this. That other guy, I forgot the name, he just says Rohan, whoever. You know, he's living in a in a fiat-minded world where the control is where it still is. It's just going to move away because the incentives of Bitcoin are going to force individuals to be looking out for themselves. I'm going to I'm going to put this on record because it's getting recorded. This is right in uh, Mises' human action, where uh, humans act, right? You can't not act. Even the act of, like, staying in bed and laying prone on your back is acting not to move. Like, this, you can't not act. And humans are always, every minute of every day, they're conscious and thinking of what they want to do. They're always continually making decisions to remove current or future uneasiness just think about that statement it's very profound it's not my statement humans are acting to always remove out of their life current or future uneasiness it doesn't matter what it is it could be a pain in your butt because the way you're sitting in the chair and so you shift or it could be the thought of your retirement and so you save money today because you're worried about 30 years now future uneasiness we do this every day. It is the most selfish act a human can do to care so much about themselves that they're preoccupied with every single decision in their life is meant to remove current or future uneasiness for themselves. They are, by nature, extremely greedy. And yet we're also very generous. We want things for other people. We want to see other people prosper. We want to prosper alone. We recognize that in order to get what we want, Ziegler says it best. If you want, in order to get what you want, help enough other people get what they want. It's that simple, right? So you, all this aligns when good money is around. It all comes, it all gets fixed. Everything, government, everything. Wars go away. Everything changes. I just want to mention that um, Bitcoin history is replete with examples of people who uh, were, I guess, thought leaders and were sort of expelled from the community because they kind of, because they went against Bitcoin. I mean, Roger Veer, Trace Mayer, just to name a few. If Michael Saylor goes down that path, he'll end up the same way. I mean, I'm not willing to condemn him yet, but, um, but if he does, you know, sort of betray the ethos of Bitcoin, he'll just be another Trace Mayer then. I agree. And I, I'm glad, Optus, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that Trojan horse thing. I would love to find out that he's so smart that that's exactly the reason he sent out that tweet to get people on government, the government side of the ledger to not like look too negative negatively on this guy. I mean, he's certainly way out in the open. He can't not be being a, you know, a public corporation. So he has to disclose all this. 
you know, take it to the next level. We didn't discuss this yet, but you're you guys are aware that he's going to borrow 400 million against the Bitcoin that just went doubled in value, and people will loan it to him in fiat currency, and he's going to buy more Bitcoin with it, and he's telling them that right out in the open. Right, so he's got to play by a bunch of stupid rules, and he's like throwing it in their face. I listened to Preston Pish today talking to um, who was he talking to? Mark Moss, I think his name is. And they're talking about this guy when um, who was it? George Soros and another guy tanked. What was it the British pound back in the eighties? They did something to yeah. the market where they. I forget. You know, like I wasn't tuned in. I don't remember the fact, but they manipulated the market so well, and they did it legally. They just did a certain thing and no one saw it coming. And they're saying like he could increase the speed at which the dollar hyperinflates. This one guy, by doing this leverage play against shitty money against real good hard money, right? So he's leveraging US dollars against Bitcoin. Assuming the Bitcoin goes up, he has no problem paying back the dollars, the people who gave him the dollars, because that's what they want back. And so he could do this over and over and over again, and other people will too. I could hyperinflate the dollar so fast, the exponential growth of Bitcoin could be beyond comprehension of what anybody's ever projected. Plan B's model, double, triple that, if you see that kind of stuff happen. Yeah, like my mind was blown when I started putting the pieces of that puzzle together and I went, whoa. So he could be the most mega giga Chad on the planet of what he's trying to, like he's going to undermine the government one-handedly. <laughs> I, I mean, like, whoa, that'd be cool. I'd be down with that. I'd really enjoy this 100 grand party then. Because <laughs> then we'd be freaking, we'd be partying hard with that motherfucker at that point, man. Holy shit. <laughs> What a play. Oh. Oh. Yeah, no, Jim, uh, I was listening to, um, and, and just for, I'll let you chime in afterwards. Uh, I was listening to Swan Signal with, um, it had like Tina and Guy Swan and Max Kaiser on, and they were talking about that exact play. And it just, it like blows my mind because at first I, you know, when I first saw that tweet, it was kind of one of those things like, uh-oh, you know, is he is he saying what I think he is? You know, like the plebs are are about to roast him on, on Twitter, like all the other macro economists and stuff. But I, now I'm kind of on the on the fence of like, I think he's playing 4D chess right now. And he, yeah, right? yeah, like he's saying what people want to hear, but he understands the Bitcoin ethos. And and so it's like, man, he he is like you said like single-handedly pulling off one of the biggest speculative attacks on the US dollar and you know we only need a few more people yeah. to do that and man like it's going to get so crazy this next year think about, think about the words you just used a speculative attack on the US dollar <laughs> I know, right I mean who does that <laughs> does anybody actually do that maybe maybe this guy's doing that is that insane actually yeah. oh, holy shit Pierre Richard actually predicted this yeah. um, about six years ago. Oh, I heard that. Yes, he wrote an article, right? Yep, yeah. on the Knockdown website from July fourth, twenty fourteen. An article called "Speculation." Gotta know. All right, sorry, Vic. You gotta know that he read that article because Michael Saylor told us he did the research. He was on the Nakamoto website. He he must have read that. He this is in his playbook from when he was red pill. He's playing it out. He's doing. It was all there written for him. He's just playing it out. Holy shit. That's classic. Yep. This is yeah, the amazing thing about a speculative attack is that not only does it 
increase the price of Bitcoin because you're buying it, but it also devalues the dollar simultaneously because you're borrowing against the dollar. And borrowing in a fiat currency is the creation of, of new money, in essence, right. inflating it. So it works in two ways. The stock price goes up too. So he, he wins all over the place. Yeah, MicroStrategy stock has been here recently. It's doubled. It's doubled this year. 100% return if you bought some stock. If you just, I wish I had thought of it. Like, I don't know. I'm not like even plugged into it. But I could have doubled some of my money just by buying his stock six months ago. I probably should buy more now. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't own stocks, though. I'm not even in that world. I don't care about it. Yeah, if you have like a 401k, I mean, apart from GBTC, MicroStrategy is probably the other way to get exposure to Bitcoin. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Wild, crazy time. I probably won't be just for... since I own some uh, MicroStrategy stock. Um, <laughs> but, but as far as like uh, you know his in, his involvement in in Twitter, like all the Bitcoiners are a seriously unforgiving bunch. Like we are ready to slay our heroes. We've done it before. We'll do it again. And the idea that 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 all the Bitcoiners are going to, to bend to some regulation that has been operating on on a very a very strict consensus model, where where we are so concerned about what Binance is doing, who owns like twelve percent of of mining power, uh, and we're trying to get them to implement Taproot, but the reality is like our consensus is is going to to overpower that. Um, and so the idea that some government is going to be able to to change Bitcoin is is pretty laughable because they would need to make so like such a large fraction of Bitcoin bend to that will. Um, and so I guess you can have you know Giga Chad, uh, you know, say all that stuff, uh, you know, on Twitter saying that oh yeah we're we're friendly with regulators, uh, but at the end of the day. I don't believe Bitcoin will bend uh, in that way just because we have so many uh, stubborn uh, folks that are active, engaged, and they have the sharpest rhetoric uh, to really communicate those those ideas. Um, and like, we've got so much meme fuel. Oh man. So uh, yeah, I'm super bullish on our consensus model uh, to overpower all that stuff. As far as the speculative attacks, uh, like uh, Michael Saylor is is really exposing how uh, how biased our current system is for the ultra rich because he's able to borrow at 0.75 percent, which is an interest rate that like isn't accessible to anyone else, even though we're staring negative interest rates in the face um, in the near future. Yeah, and he can borrow four hundred million at that rate. Isn't that insane? I'll take that loan. I mean, figure too. out what to do with it. <laughs> oh man! The only thing I got to say about his tweet um, about the regulations is because I I talked with people all day that are high net worth, like family offices, wealth managers, all that, and I talked to so many people that. For example, it's usually a wealth advisor that wants to recommend Bitcoin, but they can't because it's an unregulated asset. And, and 
what I, I personally hate regulation. I think it's, it's, as Jim would say, it's just basically a group of people who want to get involved in a voluntary transaction and, you know, tell you what you can and can't do. And that's ridiculous. But at the same time, I feel like if there were to be regulation, it could also potentially help Bitcoin be just because there are so many people that want to get involved, but can't because of their job basically. And if there was regulation too, like we all know Bitcoin can't be properly regulated. Like there, there's, you're still going to find ways to get it without KYC. You're still going to be able to transact in it, you know, anonymously if you, you know, have the proper setup and all that. But, um, I feel like that's something a lot of people don't think about is the legal issues behind some people getting involved. Yeah. I mean, and it kind of like Pierre's really been on the rampage lately of, uh, not necessarily regulation, but like Bitcoiners welding their political power and, and, you know, using, the government as is to i guess for lack of better terms regulate bitcoin in the correct way and it's like what it it just like i'm i've never been very political so and i've never really trusted politics and government per se and and you know i i just don't have much faith in the system at large but i do see that we can probably co-op politics for lack of better terms, to benefit Bitcoin. And it's just like, what, you know, what would that look like? And and is that where we're going this next, you know, having four years, a decade and stuff? So it's just, it's, you know, it's a crazy thought experiment to even, you know, just wrap your head around. It's like, wow, what would a political Bitcoin campaign look like? And, you know, like it, w- it would benefit Bitcoin, but it also just like, just kind of like, terrifies me in the sense of you know just like let bitcoin do its thing even though that's very naive just like you know bitcoin's gonna do its little thing on the side but uh we know that you know bitcoin's gonna take over all all financial markets so it's going to without a doubt be a part of the political sphere whether we like it or not yeah i think there's no getting around that part um uh, can you can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, at the people that have power believe they deserve it. Believe they've been fairly voted in. At least in this country, most of them think that, and they think because they've been indoctrinated, like most people, that that this is all legit, that they get to write words on paper that affect the lives of everybody else and everybody else has to listen. And they've been able to get away with it because they control the money. As they come to the realization that they are losing control of that money, it's going to be a fight. I don't think the fight has really started. Um, And the good part is I think we've, um, Bitcoin has planted its roots deep enough already that they're already behind the eight ball. They'll never, ever catch up, no matter how hard they try. At whatever point they dig in their heels to try and beat uh, the people and the system that is Bitcoin, they will lose at every turn. Because the technology and all the important 
fronts that Bitcoin has, especially things like privacy, worked on unimpeded right now by governments. They're barely catching on to Bitcoin as a, a thing that people trade and now that have to do KYC to let your bank account connect to somebody who'll sell you some. And all that's just like a very basic regula regulatory level that they're at so far. Now, the idea that they would make you register your wallet or call you a money transfer if you have a node that they might try to do that is certainly not out of the question. Um, that they'll be able to pull it off is no way, in my opinion. I don't think they can. And especially because the rest of the world would just laugh at us that look at those poor Americans, that their idiot rulers are preventing them from being free and the rest of the network just gonna keep going. And so that realization is is gonna happen. You know, people in power still I don't know what kind of creative way they'll come up with to fight this, but they can't fight it with the normal tools that they use because the incentives are against them. Average everyday people are going to use Bitcoin to store their wealth. Guys with corporations are going to do it. Guys that have political influence, eventually political lawmakers at all levels. It's all happening and it's not going to stop. And I think we'll stay ahead of the curve. We as a group will adopt Bitcoin faster than the small group of people that want to stop it because of the control they're going to lose. So I don't think it's an overall risk, but I don't think the fight has, has really begun in earnest. And I'm not sure on what front it's going to be. Hopefully I'm not in the, in the front of the front. I don't feel like I'm directly in the fight with, you know, like having to go to jail or to court or any of that crap but you know as a group we're fighting it you know so i'm glad there are smart people writing really good code out there and building things like taproot and schnorr signatures right ovo if you're still listening she was in a class in schnorr signatures last night <laughs> it's quite interesting uh anyway um yeah so i think we're overall we're in good shape preach uh, like I, I just kind of brought a question up to my mind is, are we going to be fighting this on two fronts, like a, a regulation front and then like the privacy, you know, Bitcoin privacy front, or is this just basically, you know, battles in the same war? Cause it seems like it could be the same war, but they're just two different battles because, you know, like we already kind of have the, the privacy war going on in Bitcoin with like with regards to Bitcoiners themselves, we have, you know, the KYC, non-KYC group and and they're they're already kind of battling it out themselves and, and building the tools that we need. And then now it seems like we're getting, you know, some heat on the outside from from government officials or, or what have you. And they're all telling us, oh, you know, Bitcoin's going to get regulated. And we're all just like Bitcoin's going to do what Bitcoin does, you know, like Honey Badger doesn't care. But with the right light, it seems like it might be the same war. It's, you know, it's one and the same thing that people need to be able to transact privately on Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin is censorship resistant, you know, money technology and they can try to regulate it, but it's just, they, they just won't be able to, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, anyone want to chime in a little more, or uh, we can we can move over to some of these other topics we have over here. They're all kind of pretty similar this week. Well, we we've had some uh, 
I guess it depends how you look at it. There's been some really bullish stuff this week and then some uh, really kind of scary things that I saw today. Like, did you guys see what's happening in Kenya right now? I didn't. No? Okay, well, just to refresh, it seems that the Kenyan government is um, confiscating their citizens' money and basically, like, they're taking foreigners' money and they're confiscating it and and doing what they want with it and it's like you know it's it's very sad to see and to hear and it's all we can really say is is you know like this is what bitcoin's for and and it kind of relates to the first topic of they can try to confiscate your wealth um they can try to regulate it but that's what bitcoin is a tool against and so it's one of those things of you want to have Bitcoin before you need it because when you need it, it might be too late. And it seems like our brothers and sisters in Kenya are in that position where they really need some Bitcoin. And it's just, uh, it seems like some, some crazy stuff going on over there. As well as, uh, did you guys see that Venezuela has been, uh, I guess, officially been using Bitcoin to... Um, to skirt around sanctions and, and to transact with Turkey and Iran. And it's like, we've been talking about this for, for weeks now. And, uh, to see it all play out with so much, uh, you know, like turmoil in the world is, it's pretty inspiring is also like, man, like, are we in the end game right now? You know, or the beginning of the end game, because, uh, it's all happening at once. And, and it's, it's like, man, we, you know, Bitcoiners being right again, and and here we are. We're just, I guess, you know, it, it gets tiring being right all the time, but we're right. We're we're right once again. That's funny though. Yeah, there's a lot on, of craziness going on. On the uh, on the Kenyan news, I I did uh, you know send that tweet that that you shared uh, over to the Bitcoin Africa group, and. Uh, they didn't seem to think that that was uh, factual. They oh, were saying really? that the money was confiscated on alleged money laundering, which, I mean, of course they could expand that to all sorts of activities. You know, you've got $10,000 on a plane. What are you doing with that amount? Uh, that you're probably money laundering, that type of thing. But um, yeah, so I'll, I'll be a little bit cautious on, on that topic um, because that, that group is like, still very active i think for the most part they're using like gift cards and stuff to to buy bitcoin via Paxful. Uh, so that's it's always interesting to to look into and and see what's going on in, in other parts of the world since this is a global currency and uh as far as like you know like that being that being a new thing i think that's been going on in argentina for a while where like you know, you get paid in dollars, and then uh, it's held in dollars for like a month before they, you know, switch it to Argentine pesos, which has already been subject to, you know, if not hyperinflation, really high inflation, where I think it, it lost 50% of its buying power overnight at one point. Um, so, yeah, not uncommon, but, you know, very disturbing, uh, like, thing to happen to to anyone that their their money becomes worth 
half as much overnight. Yeah, man. And and back to uh, the Michael Saylor speculative attack, man. It seems like uh, the U.S. dollar might not be far from, from that scenario. And, you know, like... Like I tweeted today, you know, I got 99 problems, but Fiat Collapse ain't one. And it's just crazy. Like, I'm glad that I own Bitcoin and, and to watch all this crazy stuff happening. It's just, it's mind blowing. It, it's really, it's really at times scary, you know? Dude, yeah, sats are my safe haven for sure. <laughs> I don't even think we've seen the fallout from. I'm oh, sorry, sir, for Jim. Oh, I, I sorry, I didn't hear you was talking. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that Mike Saylor keeps making me extremely nervous because he puts so much pressure on you to have to buy more sats. <laughs> He's That's getting true. them all. He's getting them all. Can't let Big him sets. have them all, dude. Yeah. Yeah, there's about to be another five hundred million of going his way so we got to get them before he does uh, if I only I had a few mil like you does. yeah let me just uh, you know pull out my dry powder of a couple hundred million I'll be alright um, you guys didn't do that was that Jessifer you guys didn't do that already <laughs> I mean I <laughs> <laughs> All right. Never ending battle. Are you kidding? Right. Find more dry powder and turn it into Bitcoin. That's like that's part of the mission of life. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, I think I think we hashed that one out pretty good. Uh. This this last. Well, we have a a few more topics. One of them. Uh is kind of like a, a jokey topic. So maybe we'll leave that one to the end. But um, we got a question by 2A3Dex uh, in regard to multi-sig wallets and what he needs to back up. And uh, Jester, you want to start this one off? Because I, I think you had like a good insight on there that I never thought about when you were uh, talking to us last night. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, there's like some basics to it. Yeah, there's the most yeah. part, you know, definitely write down your seed phrase and you probably want that seed phrase written uh, or kept in a safe location and like you should make a backup for that backup you know like have have two copies at least um, for for something like that uh, and then the other part that I think a lot of people forget about is different wallets have different derivation paths um, and and you can look up you know, which wallets have which derivation path. But essentially that means like, if you enter a seed phrase from a different wallet um, in into like a new wallet, you might not come up with any funds, even though there's funds associated with that seed phrase. And that could be a really scary experience. Um, so, and and that that would only happen because you've got a different derivation path for that seed. Um, so when you're writing down your seed, like be sure to just write down the date and which wallet you used uh, to generate that seed. And, and then uh, 
you might be able to look up what the actual derivation path uh, for that seed phrase was so that you could restore it on a, on a different wallet uh, in, in the future. So just having a little extra bit of information for reference. So, you know, the date, um, the, the type of wallet so that you can look up the derivation path um, and those, those seed words. Yeah, I never thought about putting the date down. And I was like, man, just for thinking of everything. But uh, I guess to answer 2 question completely, you want to have your seeds, uh, the Z-pubs, and make sure that they're in order. And like Jessifer is saying, maybe you have the wallet and the date so you don't get locked out of your wallets. And then back those up like you would any other seeds, so. Uh, I mean, I think that one's pretty straightforward. Anyone, uh, anyone have any other two cents to add to that? Two cents. Two cents. My my bad. Still fiat minded. Still fiat minded. Okay. All right. Well, uh, this next one, uh, we've been kind of uh missing this one the last couple of weeks because we've been we've been hitting that our hour mark. But it continues to happen, and uh, we kind of touched on it lightly earlier. But it's been pretty hilarious to watch uh, Bitcoin Twitter dunk on all these macro economists, and it's been happening for I don't know how many weeks now. Like what? How many times have we been saying this just for like three weeks now? And and it just like keeps happening. And it's like I said earlier, you know, like it's. It's not fun when you're always winning, but like it's still pretty fun when you're winning because you know shit postings away on Twitter and it just it it's so hilarious, man, to see these guys, these quote unquote experts, come in and just a bunch of random plebs, you know, a bunch of us are just like dunking on them with facts and they just get all butthurt and it's it's hilarious. I, I it cracks me up. Yeah, I, I see it too, uh, but they're. This is part of that fight, right? That that some people want to dig their heels into the system that makes them a lot of money, the one they want to defend, the one they think is always going to be there that works well, whatever. And then you got a bunch of us guys that are relatively unknown, you know, especially in their world, we're nobody, and uh, telling them how it is, and the reality comes through eventually. A lot of them get humbled. They start, they, they shut up. They go away sometimes, you know? It's funny to watch. Peter Schiff keeps coming back, though. He ain't going anywhere. He's he's funny, too. You see the thing about him and his kid this week? No, I didn't. <laughs> he did some kind of tweet about how he's so proud of his son for getting 20,000 followers. And I sent I sent something out like, yeah, Nobody would know your son if it wasn't for you. You know, like, what about your fame? And, and I said something else about, like, or maybe it's just his better knowledge of hard money or something because uh, <laughs> the kid's really showing him up at this point. Like, I don't know. Why is he yeah. tweeting out about his son's 20 grand followers and he's dunking on Bitcoin and he's wrong for 10 years? The guy's hilarious. Whatever. He's. He's never going anywhere, but there's new guys popping up all the time. These guys that got lots of followers that are in some other world, they decide to 
tweet about Bitcoin and they get attacked because they're wrong. It is kind of funny. I see it too. I'm fully in the Peter Schiff has huge bags of Bitcoin and just trolls and gets a lot of engagement on Twitter. But I, I might know, be that's a marketing play. This it's says like Peter, in, you're in professional wrestling there's a concept of a heel. Have you heard of this? <laughs> yeah. Oh. In WWE there will be like a character who is intentionally like the character that the audience is supposed to hate. Oh okay. Uh, I don't really watch much pro wrestling. Do any of you guys like maybe can think of a name of a character? No. Um, just like the bad guy, basically. Maybe. Just I mean, I can think of one example, and it's uh, the Andre the Giant versus um, Hulk Hogan fight. It was like when Hulk Hogan became the superstar. It was a time when Andre the Giant was playing the heel, and. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, he he like. I think I, if I remember correctly, like Hulk Hogan did. I forget what the move was, but he did like a, a one of the biggest move. His like signature move on Andre the Giant, and it was like a huge deal. But yeah, Peter Schiff is for sure the heel, and he knows yeah. it too. Or there was a wrestler from the early '90s called Razor Ramon, which maybe you don't know. <laughs> he had this like he had this like over the top like just asshole vibe if you, if you go on youtube and see videos it's actually quite hilarious but yeah he the whole purpose of the heel is just to intentionally be the bad guy that everyone hates um and maybe peter should have been doing it. i mean he's been shitting on bitcoin since literally 2011 when the price was just like 10 bucks or something and all these years later he still has him budget his positions it makes you wonder if he just bought some you know instead of hating it if he you know how much better off he'd be it's funny because on his website where he sells gold he takes bitcoin as payment too yeah but he uses bitpay he actually talked about that in a debate in a debate with uh eric Voorhees. but he just uses bitpay sells it immediately yeah, Eric Bork, he's is another shit coiner. <laughs> he destroyed Peter Schiff in, in that debate. I don't know if you saw it. It was on the Soho forum. No, I just, yeah, that was a good one. But I saw it's a very good one to watch. I listened to uh, Voorhees versus Dan Held, and it was moderated by Peter McPedro. <laughs> That was pretty good. Yeah, that was good too. It both Avor he sounded much better in that one. He's got a few more years under his belt and for more history and and Held didn't really grill him too bad. Um you know, Held did a good job, but yeah, yeah, yeah his, he's kinda cringe on Twitter sometimes. Yeah, he can be. Um the uh the Peter Schiff and Voorhees debate was a blowout for uh, before he's yeah. he killed it, I think. I've seen also Peter Schiff versus Saifedean and uh, Tone Phase. Oh, I listened to that just recently, and that was oh, brutal, man. It was a couple of years ago, but I just happened to stumble on it and heard it, and yeah. that was pretty brutal because Schiff is just relentless and 
you know, safety. He he makes his points over and over, but he has to keep repeating himself. It it get it almost gets tiring to listen to both of them, but it's the same argument over and over again. No, Peter Schiff. It makes no sense how Peter Schiff can actually believe the things he says. Yeah, it's so weird. But either he does or he's the heel, like Big said. Who knows? He just keeps been doing it for years, and he's got a big stash. He's probably an idiot not to have some. I think by now he's smart enough. To, he should be. I don't know. Maybe he's that stubborn. You never know. Some people are weird like that. You just don't know. He says he doesn't have it. So, like, what, should we just believe him? I don't know. He's also at the point where if he if he does, like, submit to Bitcoin, it's, it's a huge, huge embarrassment. I mean, it's already an embarrassment for him right now. But, I mean, he basically loses everything he's been fighting for for the last – However many years, you know, I feel like it's an ego thing at this point. Yeah, he'll go to his grave with it, you think? I mean, that could be a while still. He's not that old. Yeah. Speaking of debate, Richard Hart debate. Do you guys know who that is? I know who he is. Unfortunately, I do. I remember when Richard Hart used to be a Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah, he used to be a Bitcoin maximalist. Um. He's basically this guy used to be a Bitcoin maximalist, and then he made his own shitcoin called Hex. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyways, if you he debates St- Stefan Levera, and like I hate to say it, but Stefan Levera had really poor audio connection as well. But like, just his style of debating, it, it, to it to it no coiner, he he would. Uh, we lost you. Your quality is just like the guy he was debating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard Hart basically just steamrolled over Stefan, not because Stefan wasn't making good points, but just because the connection of Stefan was a little His poor. Style. And Richard just spoke a lot more and just kind of like sort of used that like bludgeoning attitude where, you know, you can't really get a word in. And wasn't he like muting Stefan's mic as well? Oh yeah, I think he was doing that as well. So yeah, so I mean, it needed to be a debate with a moderator, a neutral platform, not on Richard Hart's channel. Yeah. Well, I think Hex is the most interesting scam I've seen in a long time. Just like the entire way it's (laughs) it's like presented, marketed the way he uses logical fallacies to like misdirect attention. Like it's truly like something that like should be studied in like philosophy and like uh rhetoric books because it's it's fascinating how he like controls the narrative. He's a sociopath, but he's a very good marketer and he knows how to control the narrative really well. And he's got he uses a lot of big words and concepts that are hard to that are sort of elusive and said things and he makes you think like you don't know what you're talking about or he makes people think that he's just very good at that he's just like a really good used car salesman or something i, think I, I, I don't know this exact cast but i've heard he's done a lot of internet scamming of different crap over the years and whatever just to make as much money as possible don't give a shit about the customer whatever whatever and as far as that hex thing apparently you know like people sent in ethereum Got their hex, and then he drained. Oh well, you know the bank account got drained. All the Ethereum got moved. So like these people holding on to hex, 
never get near ether back. Richard Hart's got it all. And he, he goes like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like, he doesn't even admit nothing, but he gets away with it. It's kind of hilarious, actually. Like, he's never admitted that he has control over all that, but it's on a blockchain, and people saw it go from one address to another. So, like, all of a sudden, there's, like, millions of dollars worth of ether, and then it just disappears to another address. It's like, whoa, what just happened to that? Oh, don't worry. Everything's great. No, the hex is all good. Everything just don't look this way. People keep doing it. What the hell's going on? Greed's a bitch. Greed's a bitch. Hex was 1.3 cents on November 1st, and it's now 0.3 cents. I mean, it's like 90, 85% in the month. Like, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Well, well, the whole the whole way they market it too. They literally like if you look at like if you go to the hex website or they don't market it as being like this useful thing. They literally market it as it making you money. Like the the name of the name of Richard Heck, Richard Hart's Twitter name is hex dot com forty percent APR two hundred and sixty three times your money in three hundred and one days. That's that's like what they advertise. It's all about just like getting rich. Richard Hart's in a real Ponzi to top all Ponzi's. Richard Hart's a real shady past. He was involved in some like spam email stuff back in the day, and then he moved down to Panama and um, got involved with some shit there and like some legal shit, and then came back to the U.S. He he's a real shady character. Yeah, I think he did like spam marketing. He learned how to get really good at sending out millions of emails to people and he got paid for it. And also to like really like low level bullshit that people hate. And he just was like, okay, I'm making money. Yeah, <laughs> buck. All right. Well, uh, we, we've, we've talked enough about scammers here. We, we, we started with a uh, macro economist and, uh, we ended up on scammers, but, uh, oh, I, the gambit, yeah, the exactly. Um, I understand the difference. Central bankers, scammers, <laughs> it all sounds the same to me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like that. Uh, speaking of bankers, uh, did you guys see the news that just came out yesterday about JP Morgan saying that gold will suffer because of Bitcoin? And uh, it's just funny because, you know, we talk about Peter Schiff being a heel and here we got, you know, Jamie Dimon in his personal life saying Bitcoin's trash and then having his bank basically, you know, like concede that, okay, Bitcoin is actually taking market cap from gold and what have you. And it's just, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, like privately they're doing one thing, but publicly they have to keep face. And, and it's just like, here's another round of, of that going on. They can't admit to the, you know, 70, The I mean, for the exception of some, you know, but for the broad majority, they can't admit to the 70 and 80-year-olds and 60-year-olds that are retiring that the U.S. dollar is not safe anymore. Like, they can't say that. Fidelity's been mining crypto since 2014. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They know. They were just keeping quiet so that they could front run everybody. Fidelity has a whole like Bitcoin and crypto 
division digital assets division yeah they started buying bitcoin and they actually just announced their partner with blockfi today to start issuing uh bitcoin loans uh, collateralized loans to fidelity institutional clients oh it's gonna explode soon man there's every angle of the financial market is tweaking itself to accept and work with bitcoin and the bitcoin protocol and people that want exposure to it it's happening and we're watching it in real time it's gonna explode the prices when the price starts going past twenty thousand and thirty and forty it's gonna really go because big money's gonna go like oh wow now it's really something all right all right i'll get a piece 20 million oh no there isn't just 20 million out there uh -oh. sir oh, <laughs> you gotta you move you're gonna move the market million? Oh yeah, it's gonna be like, what, you got, can't just get 20 million tomorrow? What do you mean? No, no, it doesn't work like that. This is different. There's only 21 million of them. I, uh, like GBTC or whatever. Uh, whatever they're gonna do, it's still gonna be, look, I can see derivatives being built on top of it and legalized in all manner of ways. People accepting exposure to the Bitcoin price, but not actually owning it. And other people getting smart enough to recognize, whoa, hold on. This is different and I can own it and I gotta get it, you know, I gotta get the real thing. And that's that's what really moves the price because then somebody's gotta give it up. They're only gonna give it up at the right price. And all of us have a price. I hate to tell you, for all those you say you're never gonna sell, you get old enough, you realize you got enough to live on, you're gonna say, No, I think I might enjoy some of this. You'll start sell selling for it what? For stuff you sell want it for things. For oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, not for sure. dollars, dollars. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, eh. you'd be buying stuff. Sell for man. consumption, sure. For a absolutely for a ranch for yeah, a bison. Throw your grandkid a a bar mitzvah or whatever, you know, like whatever you got in your life that you want to spend money on. You'll have so much of it, and then it'll get redistributed into society. What's gonna happen? It's just gonna happen. That's it. Yeah. You have so much, you won't, you won't even notice it being gone, and you'll leave it all the rest of your family anyway. It's just like uh, if you just have one Bitcoin now and you live for forty more years, forget it. You're gonna be so loaded on one Bitcoin. Fucking you got more loaded. Than that. Oh, you always man, think I was like, worth it, like ten million. One Bitcoin is like financial freedom for the future if you're in your twenties or thirties. It really one is. Bitcoin I think it's really all you need. Yes. Totally if you're so. in your 30s, if you're in your 60s, I would say probably not. But if you're in your 60s, you're already at hopefully financial freedom by this point, right? You know, so well, that'd be me. I'm going to be 60 very soon, and uh, you know, I'm I'm in a better position in life. All ways. of them. <laughs> I've done okay for myself, so I'll, I'll be fine. But I still feel like I don't have enough Bitcoin. And while <laughs> the price do. is where it is, I you, know, you never do. So as long as I'm working and earning money. I'll be stacking as many sets as I can, and then hope one day, let's hope it all grows to be enough that I can live off and comfortably. And I think I, I think I'm looking okay with my resources and all that I know, and that my outlook on the future and the opportunities that are in front of me to make more money, and hopefully money in the form of Bitcoin money. Like one day, I want to get just paid in Bitcoin. Same, same. You know? So I don't currently, but you know, I figure one day it'll happen. I'll either work it into my current business or I'll just start only accepting it or whatever, you know? So Jim, then, I think it's going to happen really, really quickly uh, in a matter of years. Oh, I figure I, I have statistically easy 30 plus years to live. That's a long time. 
Oh yeah, it's good. Uh, so, uh, and much of that, there's plenty of people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s that are very active, very healthy, that enjoy life to the fullest, and get to do all kinds of great stuff. And there's no reason if I don't organize myself properly, that can't be me. Um, that's my goal. Um, you know, I've already gotten a shitload healthier. If you saw me two years ago and how much fatter I was, you, you'd be like, "What? You're the same guy?" So I'm like, I can't do that." Yeah, that's believe me. It's yeah, my, my, <laughs> my parents think I found Jesus. So I'm like, now nah, I just found Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but found Satoshi. Yeah, I found Satoshi, yeah. dude. I just have this like glow about me since I went all in. I think I like uh, you, got a glow, you got a glow about you. That's a good one. So I, I, found, I came up. I came across this uh, this video today, and it was like obviously we all know what like exponents are but it was just like an example um that i wanted to share with everyone because i i like it really like hit me uh hard um and it was like the example was basically like a, a think of like a football stadium soccer football whatever and you put like a drop of water in the center of the stadium and just for like a thought experiment like how long if the water doubles in volume every every second how, or every minute, sorry. How long do you think uh, it takes for uh, the entire stadium to be completely flooded? Uh, I would say less than thirty seconds. It's uh, less uh, sorry, than thirty not, minutes or something. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, minutes. Minutes. yeah, less than thirty minutes. It's 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 uh, it's, Is it's 16? fifty. It's fifty yeah. minutes. Fifty. And but but the most yeah. but the most but the most interesting part to me isn't that it takes fifty minutes. But that at forty-five minutes duration passed, the stadium is still bone fucking dry. Uh, it's in the last five minutes that the entire stadium floods, and the 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 the, the, the com comparison is that you know we actually don't comprehend intuitively exponential growth because we don't see it in our day-to-day -day life. We see linear growth. We have no problem, you know, stack a chip and it comes into two and then stack another goes to three. But the reality is that the laws of physics and the laws of the universe and the laws of math, which is what Bitcoin's based on, work with the laws of exponents. And so, you know, think about that. We, we, are, we are the people at like the stadium is literally about to flood and there's no sign of any trouble but three minutes from now everyone's going to be fucking drowning and that's because of the law of exponents in that except you know, us, we got lifeboats we'll except because we got life rafts before anybody realized that it was a problem floating on top of it all looking down and at everybody like sorry we're about to flood and it doesn't, and, and, and yeah, no, it's like the Noah's Ark paradigm uh, parable and all that. But, you know, if you look at, it's not just Bitcoin, because if you look at all technological adoption, and I posted this on, uh, on LinkedIn today, uh, and it was about how, you know, if you look at all of the adoption curves of technology, they're just getting faster and faster. Like, look how long it took the TV to catch on. Look how long it took the telephone to catch on. Then look how long it took the cell phone. But then look how long it took the tablet. But then look how long it took... The, the smart watch and it's like technology and the cloud and software as a service and now Bitcoin things are catching on quicker and quicker and quicker because we yeah. are living in an exponentially increasing world. So if you ever have any doubt that you are wrong about Bitcoin because it hasn't started going up, just remember the stadium is about to flood. You're just a minute before it's obvious.
Yeah. Rant over. Great analogy. Awesome. Ooh, drop the mic. That was good. <laughs> oh, I, the exponential thing Jeff Booth describes in folding paper. And if you folded a piece of paper on itself, which is doubling it, and then you kept doubling it by folding it on itself again, after 50 folds, how big would it be? And people guess, you know, inches, a foot, you know, 10 feet. It would take, it would go to the sun. Exponential growth is so great. And it all, and he even says it, most of it's at the end. Same kind of analogy, you know, it's amazing. You can't fathom that. (laughs) It's all at the end. And I'm a, I'm really big into space. Here's another just like example of exponents and how we cannot even comprehend how fucking powerful the law of exponentials uh, growth is. Um, you know, like we think of like suns and starlight and like the, you know, the the existence of galaxies and like the the time of, that's gone since the Big Bang and like stars as like really, really fucking old things, right? Like we can all agree stars are pretty old. Uh, but the reality is that when you look at the... Uh, we 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 need to get we, some echo we, we on, on you. The reality is that when you look at the future of the universe and like like time, how long time will go on, and the like, only looking forward, you'll realize that starlight as like a percentage is like less than a hundred thousandth of a percent of time, and for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of time in existence. There will be no stars. It will be nothing but black holes. And that's and like, so stars just like it, we think of these things as like really long time scales, but life and existence of starlight in itself is just such a brief little blip in the history because black holes, once you hit that gravity, it pulls you in exponentially and they will increasingly like anyway i'm kind of probably losing you guys but like point is like time is the same way like we think it's long but 99.99 percent of the universe is going to be spent in darkness after all the last stars have already exploded pretty fucking crazy it's still far off from us you just you guys keep reminding me of the meme gradually then suddenly and uh you know we're we're talking about bitcoin here but but bitcoin is life bitcoin is nature and you it's that's that's going to happen soon here like we're we're on the cusp of the the suddenly and uh you know you just better strap in cuz it's going to get crazy but no, like, thing, like when you're in the suddenly it's so impossible to realize that the the or when you're in the gradually it's so hard to see the suddenly is about to come <laughs> it doesn't feel real exactly I always try to take a step back because we're in our like little Bitcoin eco chamber and on Twitter and we're completely obsessed with it and consumed with it. But then you look at people in real life and no one still has a clue. So like, I just wonder when that suddenly really is, you know, even though it feels like it right now, but like we're just consumed by bullish news every day. Yeah. And it's going to get like, and that's the thing about exponents. Like, it's going to get quicker. And the price is going to start going up faster and faster and faster until it's hit this critical penetration where, you know, a sufficient amount of the entire value that's being accounted in the world 
is being accounted in the form of Bitcoin value. And then at that point, I believe the exponent, you know, growth dies off because there's just no more market share for it to take, you know, until the economy itself grows as a whole. I like to think of it on psychological terms. I mean, right now, Bitcoin is still seen as this weird, risky niche thing. But once that, that, that switch flips and it becomes mainstream and all the major investors and institutions are involved in it and every, everybody in the U.S. or around the world knows two or three people that are involved in Bitcoin and not just that one weird friend, everybody will start piling in because it's no longer – it becomes hit. It becomes a trend. And once that, that switch is flipped, it'll, it'll go real fast. So we're the same thing. Let's go. Getting more bullish, guys. Well, um, I think we're coming up towards that hour that hour mark. Well, we're trying to keep these shorter for uh, the listener out there because I'm pretty sure we're either going to ramble for a while once the recording goes on, or we could ramble for a while. But uh, uh, Jessifer. Since since my co-host left because he had to go hit his curfew, he'd take a little nap time. Uh, you want to roll us out, dude? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming out, everybody. It's uh, a quick reminder: uh, send us your your favorite questions uh, from previous episodes or or things you'd be interested to hear from all the participants on the show, all the students um, of the classroom. Uh, so yeah, thanks for coming out. Uh, as always, it's uh, it's great to hear from you all. Thanks. Yeah, thanks everyone for showing up. Yeah, thanks Jim. Uh, I just want to uh, roll roll this episode out with a tweet from Matt Odell. I, I just saw it, and I think it's it's sums up everything we're saying in in uh, less words than we can. And Matt Odell goes, just in case it isn't clear, my goal is to make fuck you money the standard. And uh, I think I think we've been saying that all day, and uh, it's gonna happen a lot quicker than we think. So buckle in, guys. Uh, and just again, guys, thanks for coming out. Uh, this this episode, these episodes went a little longer than usual. So appreciate you guys all staying with us. And this will be episode forty-five. So uh, with that, we're gonna end this one, and uh, we'll see you next week. Appreciate it.